Hey, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. I invite you to turn over to the book of Philippians. We'll be beginning a series in this little letter Paul writes to the church in Philippi that he starts. I'm excited to jump into this with you. This won't be an exhaustive series. We won't be going verse by verse. We're going to hit some major themes, some major verses that help kind of structure the book and give it its thrust. So uh, we'll be looking at a little verse in this first session, uh, right at the beginning, that's used often. Have you ever met a Christian gunslinger? And what I mean is, it's not bullets that they're using, it's Bible verses, right? Yeah, so in the Christian world, if you've been around in any amount of time, you run into these super verses that get quoted you're unsure about your next steps in life and someone says, hey, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Or, or you're going through a challenging situation and told, hey, you can do all things through him who gives you strength. Or you're in a difficult season and someone puts their arm around your shoulder and reminds you, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And the problem with these helpful verses, and helpful is definitely in quotes, is that they're usually taken out of context and or frankly just not helpful in the moment. If, if you've ever been told God works all things together for good right when you're in a bad place, you just want to punch them, right? Like it's just not helpful. Have you, have you ever been quoted one of these at a wrong time? And right in the early part of Philippians, we actually run into one of these super verses, one that gets quoted often. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You're in the midst of something hard and this verse is used as some sort of personal motivation to keep going on whatever individual goal you've set. You're going to eat less sugar. You're going to read more. You're only going to go 10 miles over the speed limit now and whatever it is. And, and this verse is used to kind of motivate you to keep going, or you're just in a tough situation, and out comes this verse as some guarantee of its inevitable resolution. But is that what this verse really means? Is that really what Paul is saying to this little church in Philippi? Let's take a look at what the story is behind this super verse. Now, each of these sessions are paired with a worksheet, so that will be helpful to you as we kind of dive in uh, to some of the backstory here. So be sure you have that. Uh, it should be paired right along with this. Now, we've mentioned before, the guy who's writing this is a man named Paul, and he was trained as a rabbi and deeply embedded in the Jewish culture. This guy was Jewish to the bone. And at a young age, he demonstrated great passion and intellectual capacity. And so he ends up actually winds up in Jerusalem training with a famous rabbi by the name of Gamelia. And generally, somebody then with Paul's level and in intellect, if he's training under some of the best of the best, someone who is trained at this level would have large portions of the Old Testament memorized, Genesis memorized. Exodus, Memorize, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Memorize. Do you, you get the point? So when he writes, 
And when he writes these letters to these churches, he's got this whole internal historical and cultural and religious library to draw from, which allows authors like him to write with this sort of divine depth. And authors of the Bible often do this. They're telling one story in a way that connects it to another story. They're writing about one thing, but they're winking and nudging about something else. See, for many of us, we're used to flat reading. We're used to, in our world, mostly whoever's writing is writing about this, and that's really all they're saying. But these Jewish writers, someone like Paul, would use words and stories to refer back to something that happened earlier. And one prime example of this is here in our passage. And we're going to run into a principle. When you're reading the Bible, there's a principle you should know called the principle of first mention. What happens is when you're reading something and you hear familiar words or stories, you should ask yourself, where, where have I heard that before? Where was that first mentioned? And if I go back and find the first occurrence of these words or stories, then it will shed more light into what I'm reading here. And so when you read this little super verse, ask yourself, what, what have I, where have I heard this before? Listen again, he who began a good work will carry it on to completion. Words like began, good work, completion have tremendous significance in the scripture. Where have we heard this before? I'll put a bookmark in Philippians and flip over to Genesis 1. It's the first book of the Bible. Paul's doing something here. He's making a reference, a callback to the creation story. Genesis 1.1, very first verse, what does it say? In the beginning, God created. And so the Bible starts with God, who began something, a work of creation, and we're told, end of verse 10, and God saw that it was good. End of verse 12, and God saw that it was good. End of verse 18, and God saw that it was good. End of verse 21, and God saw that it was good. End of verse 25, and God saw that it was good. And then we get to the start of chapter 2, and this creation account ends by declaring, thus the heavens of the earth were completed and all their vast array, and by the seventh day, God had finished the work. So something began that was a good work that was completed. And so when Paul says this to the little church in Philippi, he says, hey, you guys, you who began something good, this good work that you started, it will carry on to completion. It would have set off bells and whistles, alerts, in their head, that whatever they were doing, whatever this good work is, it had the weight of creation behind it. Paul actually has done this before. He's writing to uh, the church of Corinth, and in 2 Corinthians 4, just a few books prior to Philippians, towards the end of the Bible, he says this in verse 6, he says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. And there's another reference, this time Genesis 1-3. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. 
So Paul says that there's these cosmos, this universe, with light that God brought out of darkness. And now that same God has taken the light, that big and massive and powerful thing, and placed it in your heart so that you might see things the way they really are. Now back to Philippians. Then he begins this letter by saying, Hey, you guys, you who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What he's saying is that there's this creative, dynamic, massive energy that brought the universe into being. The solar system, the, the Grand Canyon, the oceans. And when you said yes to this good work, to this, we'll see in a minute, gospel partnership, that same creative, dynamic, massive, unstoppable power was unleashed in you. Let, let that sink in. That whatever you guys are doing, it's got the weight of creation behind it. As surely as God completed the work of creation, he has that same assurance and power behind what you guys are doing. Take a minute now and review this idea. Use your worksheets to help kind of guide that process. And then we'll come back and we'll look at the context for why he's so confident in what they're doing. All right, so this is a big statement Paul is making. I mean, this is huge when you really think about it, just how massive of an assurance he's giving to this Philippian church. So the question that it raised is why? What's the context behind this? Because he's not saying this in a vacuum. He's not just filibustering. He, this is not just a simple idea that's detached from the actual story between them. Because on the heels of this incredible statement, he actually gives us the reason why he's so confident. Remember, he says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so this good work that's going to be completed, that's assured to be completed as, as surely as creation is completed, comes because of, he says, a partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So there's some sort of partnership that developed between Paul and this church, and this is the work that God will carry on. So whatever this work is, whatever happened between them, has led him to say, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So what's the history? What's the backstory here? I'll turn with me over to Acts chapter 16, which is just a few more books prior to Philippians. Here in Acts, Paul is on a missionary journey. He's been bouncing from city to city, seeking people whose hearts were open to the gospel so that he might gather them together to form little communities called churches. Most of our New Testament is a bunch of letters that Paul has been writing to these new little churches. And so in Acts 16, we actually read about Paul's encounter with the Philippians. And it says this, From there, there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony, and the leading city in the district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. And on the Sabbath, we went outside of the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman 
from the city of Thyretria named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. We've got a dealer on our hands over here. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And so Paul has bounced from city to city with marginal success. And then he runs into this dealer, this businesswoman, and she receives the Lord and the church is born in her home. Just a little side note here. Uh, Lydia is the forerunner of the Philippian church. And a short time later, a, a female slave who has a spirit in her is delivered and assumedly joins the fellowship. And then at the end of Philippians, Paul names two other women by name who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together. It looks as though women were an integral part of planting this Philippian church. Can I get a shout out to the ladies? Now, because of this little stunt with the female slave who had a spirit in her, Paul is actually dragged into the center of Philippi, accused of throwing our city in an uproar. Then he gets beaten down, literally, and thrown into prison. But at midnight, just to make a long story short, they miraculously escape. They're beaten, they're bruised, and they come out of prison. And where do they go? In verse 40, it says, After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. The Philippians welcomed them when they were beat down. Paul says, because of your partnership from that day until now, he who began a work in you will carry it on to completions. The Philippians welcomed when they were beat down. Now this word partnership is interesting because the Greek word is koinonia, and it's a particular Greek phrase. Now, in classical Greek, it meant community or bonds or love. But a second meaning, which developed in the days of the Philippians, it was a business term. It meant a financial partnership. And so when he uses this word specifically, he's not just saying a partnership and go get He's saying that you put your money where your mouth is. In fact, check out uh, Philippians 4 if you jump to the back of the letter, he writes this, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was sent from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I received uh, the gifts you sent me. So this was a financial cooperative. He's saying, I, I got the gift you sent me. In a first century prison, they didn't feed you. If you were in prison, particularly in this region of the world, meals weren't provided. And so you were dependent on somebody somewhere taking care of you. Paul's in prison when he writes this letter. He mentions four times in the first chapter that he's in chains. He writes in another letter, he says that while in prison, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. So he, he's not getting fed, and he's at the mercy of somebody taking care of him. And then someone from the Philippian church shows up. The Philippians provided when others 
deserted. They provided when everyone else ran away and deserted him. And Paul says, because of your partnership from that day until now, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Now on your worksheet, let's look at the map here. See, the problem is when you carry uh, aid, the problem with where Philippi was and where Rome was, where Paul was imprisoned, is this big blue thing called the Mediterranean Sea, which is right in the middle. They don't have PayPal to send aid. If you're going to give money, if you're going to give a financial gift, you're carrying it on your person. So you either go by boat, which Paul mentions, getting shipwrecked several times in his writings, right? These coastlines had these jagged shores, unbelievably treacherous trip by boat, or you walked it all the way around. It would be very expensive and time-consuming and dangerous. So they risked their lives to bring him resources so that he could survive. The Philippians' love literally went the extra mile. It went the extra mile. And Paul says, because of your partnership from that day until now, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You welcomed me in. You risked your lives to come and take care of me. You hiked untold miles. The God who began that, that good work in you from that day until now. He, he's going to complete it. He's going to do it. Are you, are you tracking with the story here? And it's to these people Paul calls holy people, right at the beginning of Philippians, right in the first verse. You're holy, you're set apart, you're different from the rest. And the you in Hebrew who began a good work in you is not singular, it's plural. We, we don't have a word English except for y'all to, to signify this. But he who began a good work in y'all, a community, he'll carry that out to completion. This work is the partnership of a group of people that commit to welcoming and providing and loving so that the world would get a picture, a tangible look at what the gospel is in flesh and blood. Philippians is all about joining then this collective collaborative work. Because when we begin to ask the questions of ourselves, we begin to see ourselves in the story. We can see how we as a y'all join the Philippians in this collective collaborative work that God will not let die. My dad is a pastor and uh, he's actually at the end of his ministry career. He's set to retire in a few years and about a year ago he took a, a sabbatical and he and my mom traveled around the country to every ministry context they'd ever been involved in. Every church they planted, every ministry they were a part of, every place they lived. And what they realized on that trip is that almost everything that they had built over time ended. The churches that they planted either ended up closing eventually or restarting. Houses that they'd lived in got bulldozed for shopping malls. Organizations that they had been involved with are no longer existing. And one of the things that he came away with, and he, he actually gave this to me in writing, I want to read you it. He says this, uh, one of his major takeaways was, Buildings get torn down. 
organizations collapse, churches close. Invest your energy in people. They are your real legacy. You see, the things that we try to build, our name, our brand, our platform, organizations we raise up, good organizations that do good things, churches that we strengthen, God never promises that any of those individual things will last. But what he does promise is that the welcoming of those who life has beaten down, the provisions we give when others desert, the love that we share that goes the extra mile, that is the real legacy. That is what will be carried on to completion. That has the power of creation behind it. So the question for us, the question for y'all, the y'all that you're a part of, is what if we were to join this good work too? What if we were to welcome those who life beat down? And what if we were to provide when others deserted? And what if our love went the extra mile? What if we believe that those things actually would make a difference? What if we believe that this kind of work had the power of creation behind it? Because it's pretty overwhelming when we look at the world's problems, social woes, addictions, a divisive political climate, grief, loneliness. Do we really believe this would make a difference? And if the answer is yes, then what are we going to do about it? Who can you welcome that life's beaten down? And who can you provide for when others have deserted them? And where can your love go the extra mile to someone who may not deserve it? Someone who's hurt you? Someone that annoys you? Someone that can't offer you anything in return? And when a group of people, a y'all, come together and do it collectively and collaboratively and invite others to join in, that, that could change the world. Friends, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on until the day of Christ. Jesus. Grace and peace to you.